welcome to In It Together, the first episode of the second season. I am joined with my lovely host. Hi, this is Brent Gunn. I'm the podcast uh, editor here at CM Life, and I'm also a videographer here at CM Life. Oh, and if it, this is your first time listening, um, I do some opinion stuff, and I do podcasts now. I'm not a reporter anymore, um, but I still do work for CM Life, and I enjoy doing podcasts the most, so I'm going to keep doing that. Um, there's been a lot happening in the U.S. government over this these past few months, including a government shutdown, which is now, what, 19 days strong? I believe 20. 20 days strong. Um, I don't think it's going to go. I don't think the government's going to kick back on anytime soon. I'll give it another like two weeks. Two weeks. I think. Who, who, who do you think caves? Democrats. You think Democrats are going to cave, cave and do 5.7 billion for the Trump world? can't afford to cave. He yeah. is He is so indebted to this entire narrative that he's pushing, like the human trafficking thing. He can't afford to go back. He's, he's way too invested. Yeah, even um, like Ann Coulter, like said, the wall is your like, it's his last. It's the hill he's gonna die on, and that's why the government shutdown has gone for twenty days at the time of recording. Um, he's even backing away from like it was a fence, and now it's metal slats or concrete slats that Jim Acosta. Did you watch the video of Jim Acosta outside of him like? Here it is, the perfectly peaceful wall. I think I saw the the video, but I can't I can't tolerate Acosta for more than five minutes. At really, a time, I so like I, them mostly because our last names are very similar. They are very, and similar. I'm like I could be White House correspondent. You're probably brothers, and you just switched one letter to throw. I think he's off. Cuban, so no, <laughs> no, oh, we're not. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of a a shit show that wall. And today he uploaded a video of himself at the border with no wall. He's been doing weird stuff. I don't know what Jim's doing. <laughs> I want to, I want an episode or like a CNN segment, like where in the world is Jim Acosta? Oh, God. it's just him at random places talking about it. He's honestly one of my favorite White House correspondents. Just running watch. around fact checking and uh, everything getting yelled at by Kellyanne Conway. I, 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 I think that's my big reservation with people like Acosta. It's just like the, the fact checking. I'm just not sure how much it works. Like the, the incessant fact checking. I think you kind of have to do it though. Like when and Donald Trump said 4,000 or when the White House said 4,000 people cross have crossed the border illegally this year and the number is actually four, I think you really do need to fact check that. Yeah, for sure. Like the precedent of fact checking isn't on itself wrong, but I think that sometimes they rely a little bit or a little bit too much on the idea of the fact check being like this big gotcha. And it just seems yeah. like. Like, Nobody cares. Yeah. Like people are just completely checked out. Like super partisan people do not care if what their guy says is slightly wrong. Like Alexandria Cortez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever her name is. Oh, Ocasio Cortez. Ocasio Cortez said in an interview, um, like the nitty gritty stuff doesn't need to be fact checked. Like she, or she, she even talked about how not everything anybody says is going to be perfect and you can fact check them. Sure. But it gets to a point where it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and she's she's flubbed her numbers a couple times, but um, it's hard not to. I think you, I, de- you yeah. definitely want to be as close as you possibly can. But I'm sure we've said stuff on this podcast. Oh, of course. Like even the number I just said, where the White House said four thousand people, when in actuality it was four or six or something like that. Four billion. You four, know, four um, billion people crossed the border illegally in 2018. Yeah, the the people have really tried to checkmate her because of those little number flubs, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it, it, it's really shooting, you know shit in a barrel it's it's really yeah. doing nothing and it that that just like it's that political minutiae that people just like that that's why people like trump say look this isn't a political thing the wall it's it's just, it's just a, it's a, a rational security medieval thing. solution 
because people don't like politics and they don't like politics because of American it's politics, politics yeah. because of people that, that we have. But if you brand it as, you know, this isn't a political thing, you know, you're going to get people more and more on your side, unfortunately. And it's kind of strange because something that is quote unquote, not political, like, you know, the wall, that's amazingly political. Yeah, the wall like, is one of the most political thing, and he's doing it for political reasons. I don't think there's any Republican. Well, of course, yeah. Like Lindsey Graham has come out and said that the wall should be funded, and I, I highly doubt that Lindsey Graham legitimately thinks the wall would be an effective way of stopping illegal immigration. Or if he legitimately thinks that that isn't politically motivated or yeah. affected by the realm of politics at all, like Gretchen Whitmer in her uh, um, inauguration. She had this quote of saying, um, look, potholes aren't political. I, I, I believe we published that in CM Live, that quote of her saying mm -hmm. potholes aren't political. And when I read that, I was like, yes, they are. Yeah, extremely. That's extremely political. And that, that, that to me is like a big problem with how we try to address problems. It's like, well, what is and isn't political? Like, where do we draw the line? Yeah. You know, we need to accept that these things are political and we mm -hmm. can talk about them politically. Well, there's a way to accept an issue as being a bipartisan issue. So if you go to people and say, are the potholes in Michigan bad? Everybody's going to say yes. Yeah. But when you say, should we raise taxes to fix the potholes? 50% of the people in the state are going to say yes. And 50% are going to say no. And that's when it gets political. So when you say, should we prevent people from illegally entering the United States? I guarantee you the majority of Americans would say, yeah, we probably shouldn't let people illegally enter the United States. But when you ask them, should we build a giant concrete wall to stop them from entering the United States? 30% of the country is going to say, oh, yeah, build the wall. Or if you ask them, is the idea of um, self-defense political? Some, some would say, no, no, it's, 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 that's not even political. Yeah. It's just common sense. Mm -hmm. And that's the trick of it. If, you, if Trump frames the issue continue, like, like how he has. As a national security issue. As a national security issue and now as a human trafficking issue, you're trying to make it as agreeable as possible and it's on its face a very disagreeable idea yeah it's you know? so disagreeable in fact that people are fronting their own money to pay <laughs> for this government project so there's a gofundme that's been started by a man in florida which he could one day say okay i'm closing the gofundme and taking all of and take all that money i even have relatives who have donated towards that wall campaign and i laughed at them when they told me and then there was something that you brought up can you elaborate on the plan Business Insider did a uh, little piece on uh, Stephen Palazzo, a representative from Mississippi, who's introduced this thing called the Border Bonds for America Act, which would allow Americans to buy like treasury or government bonds to you know, uh, fund the wall, the wall yeah. basically. Um, he described it on Twitter as a, quote, safe investment into the infrastructure and security of our country. So it's gone from Mexico is going to pay for it. We might have to pay for it. Citizens, please um, buy please essentially buy war bonds. bonds to fund the wall. Because yeah. like that, that's it's just so funny that it's now getting to I mean, that, that'll never pass with with, you know, the, the, the Democrats no. in. But it wouldn't I don't think it would pass with a Republican majority. Eh, maybe. But um, it's just a very interesting precedent because people are so essentialist about mm -hmm. this. I mean, I was seeing interviews of, uh, you know, we're in the shutdown day 20 and. There's government employees that are Trump supporters and, you know, they're going without a paycheck and they're saying, I understand. And, you know, I'm upset that it's affecting me and my family, which is you know very transparent. But um, I, I understand and I understand like the seriousness of it. Like, what is the seriousness? I what honestly, is the crisis? I, OK, so there's a lot of 
like a lot of people will make up these crises, especially I think Donald Trump will make up these crises that don't actually exist to empower his base. And I give that base more credit, like that person you were talking to who's still with Trump, even though it's affecting him, because if he was with Trump until it started affecting him, I think that would be worse. Uh, I mean, sure. In like, in like a really logical, logical way. Yeah. But it's just, uh, it's, it's alarming to me because people want the wall. There's a good, there is a good portion of people out there that fully want this wall. Yeah. And I think that after Trump's gone in 2024, they're still going to want the wall. There is going to be a, a tangent of people in culture that are like, wall revivalists there are always going to be people like that, flat earthers well on the same level of crazy honestly uh, well, all right sure but um i i think that there's going like the idea of a wall an american wall is now inserted into the overton window in the overton conversation yeah now there's always going to be a contingency of people that are saying well why wouldn't a wall work and to that, yeah. why wouldn't a moat work? Like, <laughs> a like, moat? Like, like when, when... A drawbridge. Yeah, me and my girlfriend were talking about this when we saw Trump say the, the medieval solution thing. I was like, why not just get some gators from Florida, <laughs> get some gasoline, fire... A firewall. Fire on the coast, a firewall, and a moat. That is very medieval. Oh, they can have bonfires every mile. And if you see somebody trying to cross, you light one fire, and then the whole border would know that somebody's trying to illegally get into the United States. I mean, logically speaking, a moat would probably work better than a wall. A moat would definitely be cheaper than a wall, I think. Yeah, you could just, I mean, in Trump's mind, he could literally just dig up thousands of miles of earth. Just a straight line. Of Mexico and Texas, and that could be the moat. Mm -hmm. And he would say, like, Look, no one's gonna miss miss this this portion anyway. Nobody lives here. No one. Yeah, there's not people on the border that want to you know defend their property, and I'm sure he would never, in any any context, you know, uh, be sympathetic to the idea of people defending their property. Yeah, uh, God forbid. But yeah, it's it's just a complete shit show, and I feel like the shit show that we're going through right now with this wall is like setting a precedent for 2020 because yeah. 2020 I think should be a really principled election Mm -hmm. it should be a really principled like let's roll up our sleeves it should be the ted cruz versus bernie election that we should have had in 2016 (laughs) that should be a scary election and i'm not saying like those two literally run but ideologically yeah ideologically those types of figures Mm -hmm. should should be in 2020 but as we're going to talk about more i don't think that's going to happen i actually own a small piece of land on the u.s mexican border cards against humanity did a thing last year where they sold or like a hundred thousand people could buy $15 like packages. And that came with a one foot by one foot plot of land. So I have a deed to land on the U S Mexican border, which allows me hypothetically, if somebody tried to build something on that land, I could sue them. And that's what I think cards against humanity plans on doing. If wall construction does start on that piece of land, which would be incredibly interesting if the government had to like pay out a sum of money and I got like $3 from it. You're, um, you're playing the game. I am. You're truly I'm playing I'm, the game. My $15 went directly against the $15 that my family member put in to build the wall. So I, I think it's a net win and I have a cool deed. That I'm going to frame eventually. Um, I actually kind of want to go and visit it. So let's get on to 2020. I think there's been more Democratic candidates who have talked about running, including Camilla Harris and um, Elizabeth Warren. And Sherrod Brown has kind of 
touched on running or his wife has. And I think those are three big names that are going to scare off a lot of smaller names. Um, you actually talked about one candidate saying something pretty interesting before we started recording. Interesting in air quotes. Um, so Richard Ojeda, Ojeda, look, I have, I won't say I've defended him on the show, but I think I've entertained the idea of him on the show. Cause I think that people like him in theory are kind of essential for 2020. Um, so he's, uh, West Virginia state senator from the 7th district um, since 2016. He's a Democrat and he's a veteran. He's causing uh, some controversy, I, I guess, um, because he voted for Trump in the uh, um, 2016 election. Mm-hmm. But now he's planning to run against him in 2020. And I think that in a, a theoretical, political sense, people like Ojeda are very necessary. Um, I know that he... I feel like he would appeal to some very like white working class people that, you know, could Democrats have virtually no appeal at. Yeah. He but, also um, real quick, just stepped down from his position in the, in the Senate for West. Yeah. Virginia. So he's, he's showing that he's really, really committed to this. Yeah. But all right. There's I guess no I, name I, recognition. He's I, not a uh, national figure. I'd like that. That that's the least of my concerns. I think the big concern for me is that, um, I was really hopeful for him, even though like policy wise, he isn't very, he's very moderate. He's a very moderate person. That's why I'm saying like in a theoretical sense, he's very important for 2020 because he pivots to labor. He pivots to union and he's very open about it. And he says, no one's going to be more pro labor than I am. No one's going to be more pro union than I am. I think that's a great message that any Democrat right now should be uh, uh, supporting. Unfortunately, he had this appearance on Bloomberg, uh, I'd like to say like within the week where he's talking about, you know, how he receives money from unions and how he's going to be very pro union. And then he starts talking about, you know, uh, if we don't uh, allocate society differently, the poor will eat the rich. And he kind of alludes to this quasi revolutionary talk, which you can't have your foot in both camps, bud. Yeah, you, you really can't. And to me, that is just going to be a very weak, flaccid attempt to try to bring in disillusioned people that are on the outskirts of where the Democrats aren't appealing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Ojeda is the person that's going to appeal to the very progressive people of the party, the people that like Cortez appeals to yeah. Ojeda is not that answer. I don't think so. And I think those people really want someone who isn't a white guy. Uh, I've seen a couple articles where that is kind of entertained, where they're asking why people like Beto and why people like Ojeda are getting a bit more, um, I guess, I mean, it's obviously, it's obvious why they get more, you know, media validation, but, um, then some very successful women that won in the, um, 2018 midterms, Mm -hmm. some women of color that actually did win or that actually just performed really, really well. Yeah. Um, neither of them won. Beto didn't win and Ojeda didn't win. Mm -hmm. And Beto is 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 another example of you this. You love Beto, man. No, I don't. Oh, I, it, I hate. It Beto. seems like you do. Well, from this, based from on this, what? From this, these conversations on the podcast. Okay, I I I really wanted him to win over Cruz, but I mean, I want Batman to win in Batman <laughs> Returns because I the guess, Penguin yeah. is bad. Yeah. Uh, I want Catwoman to win in Batman Returns. Ted Cruz is like she's the nice. worst bad guy. Like Ted Cruz is actually worse than the Joker or the Penguin or any of those people. Yeah, because he's real. Yeah, and because he can actually make crap happen <laughs> mm-hmm. to to people all over the state of Texas and unfortunately America. But yeah. uh, I will give Ojeda one thing: his logo is really damn cool. 
Oh man, that's that, one of the best political logos I've seen in a very long time. That that just looks very. Uh, it looks like an Ojeda ad. And see, I feel like if that guy, mm-hmm. that guy is going to appeal to people that voted for Trump. He's got tattoos. I'm gonna describe the logo. So it's a circle with an eagle in it, which, whose wings are red, white, and blue. And the outside of the circle has two massive eagle wings. It's pretty cool, honestly. If, if, if an Affliction t-shirt became a political logo, that's <laughs> what it would become. I might buy some merch. And there's a huge tangent of voters, of Affliction t-shirt wearing voters out there that are disillusioned and they're alienated by, it's $30. <laughs> by their labor. <laughs> um, but no, Ojeda, I think that that's just, it's just a weak platitude. It's too little, too late. And uh, I think that... There's also a lot of people that are like Bernie or bust still. These 2020 That's Bernie so or busters. That me. is really frustrating, probably for different reasons. But it's uh, so frustrating to me because, like, just vote for whatever Democrat gets the nomination, man, because it's going to be better than Trump. Okay, and I I disagree. I think a uh, holdout. If we get a bad Democrat in 2020, don't hold out. Hold out. <laughs> no, don't do that. This just is this is Brent him. Gunn saying, do not vote for. A, a milk toast Democrat oh, just in 2020 shut up and vote for the Democrats no, so we don't do get not. Trump again because we're going to get Trump no matter what. I and even if we I disagree with that, I, I, I really I think I if really we think don't get the wall, the we won't get Trump. If we get the wall, Trump will win. If we don't get the wall, Trump won't. So you think there's a possibility we could get at least the ball moving on the wall before 2020? Yes. I th- and he, I and I, I do, too. Those come hand in hand. So if you get the wall, you get Trump in 2020. If you don't get the wall, you don't get Trump in 2020. But the argument of democratic obstructionism is so appealing and it has such widespread appeal to people because people hate the Republicans. Yes, but people really, really hate the Democrats right now. But what it came down to in the 2016 election was Hillary Clinton was so unlikable and people thought maybe Donald Trump was going to be a good president. Now... Except for 40% of the country. So that 10% in the middle has looked at Donald Trump over the past two years and gone, what did we do? Like what? I think there's a large majority of people who voted for Donald Trump who go, why did we do that? When in reality, like when the way to get those voters is to nominate a moderate Democrat, a milquetoast moderate Democrat. Jeremy, okay. And, I, I, and Democrats right. are going to shut up and vote for the Democrat, I think, because they no, don't want Trump. Th- but that's like, like that. That's the thing. They're going to shut up and just don't vote for whatever zombie Democrat they, they nominate. If they, if, they nominate, if they nominate Kamala Harris, that, that's Trump, Trump won 2020. If I they nominate so. Warren, Trump won 2020. Warren more so than Kamala Harris. I think Kamala's worse. I think Harris is a worse candidate, especially to appeal to young voters right now. I mean, one thing, uh, the... Uh, FOSTA-SESTA Act, that uh, controversial um, uh, sex worker act. That's Camilla, definitely hurts her. Camilla is all over that. Mm-hmm. That is her legislation, essentially. She has a bad track record when it comes to criminal justice, but she just said making marijuana legal. She's doing things to appeal to the left that are blatant, but that the left actually likes. But so many Republicans smoke weed. It, like, like the, but the, all right, but the, none the, of them the, are the calling for thing. federally... Legalize marijuana. Yeah, but that is not going to win in 2020. That that isn't going to be like the rallying cry, in in my opinion. The only thing no, that, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it, it could be healthcare. It compensates for her bad track record, and she's also do stuff. She's also been doing stuff to appeal to the left most. So when Alexandria, I'm going to call her AOC. A- AOC from now on. Okay. So when she said a 70 percent tax on the rich, and Democrats like Nancy Pelosi laughed her out of the house, and Republicans laughed at her. 
Harris was one of the few moderate people who go, wait, let's hear her out. That kind of makes sense. I think her doing things like that and her grilling Kavanaugh just relentlessly were things that she was setting up to appeal and to help compensate for her bad track record on criminal justice for her run in 2020. And I do think she's definitely going to run in 2020. Oh, yeah, I, I do, too. So it's Ojeda, um, the guy, the mayor from Texas, who's a no name, who's not going to do anything. Um, Ojeda, who's also not going to do anything. I feel like Ojeda's going to um, probably probably make the first round of debates. And uh, yes, Ojeda and Castro. I just pulled up his name. Those two people are going to drop out real quick. I think Elizabeth Warren is going to hang in to the end with very low polling numbers. And I think Camilla Harris and Sherrod Brown. I think Sherrod Brown is going to be the nominee. Just a bunch, just a bunch of people that we do not need. I, I, so I th- who do who do you think could credibly win? And no should one, run? there is no, no one in the Democratic Party right now. Okay, well you have to right vote that- for somebody, or else you're voting for Donald Trump. No, I see. I, I I just fundamentally disagree with that premise. That idea of if I don't vote, I'm supporting Donald Trump. I don't. I I I can't consciously and with my heart of hearts vote for someone like Kamala Harris. I can't vote for Elizabeth Warren. It, it, I just can't do it. I don't think you're going to be voting in 2020 then. Probably not. Not unless uh, there, there, there's a surprise. I wouldn't even vote for Bernie at this point because it's just what he's in there for three months. Then he then he dies. He's pretty old. I but mean, that's what people said in 2016. And here he is still working in. True. But at the same time, the I mean, Bernie is he's had how many years has he been in like the public conscious? Probably like five years oh, now. Well, OK, five, so he's I'm, been I'm, I'm saying like like aware to the general population. 2016, 2015. Yeah, let's say since 2015. And he has been, and it's not that I have a problem with the one issue, but he's been a one issue speaker. He's also the, the number entire time. one um, most favorable politician in America. He is, but I, I, I don't see it. I, I, if he runs, I think he could do very, very well. I think he's probably the best. He's, he's pick six they feet could tall. Throw up. <laughs> I didn't know Bernie was six feet tall. Yeah, he's he's, he's a, five four when he's hunching. Yeah, but, uh, he definitely. They straightened his back for that measurement. But okay, so I would vote for Bernie, I guess, if he was the nominee. Was but Bernie he's not going to be the nominee. If it was Bernie versus Trump, I'd take Bernie. In that. I'd, I'd probably vote for Bernie. I think Bernie would win that election. He, he would have won twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I I still think, but I mean, def- it, it's pointless to even pontificate now but joe biden thinks he's gonna run if joe biden even gets near near an an, an election stage trump wins joe biden the only men the only guy creepier on stage than trump is joe biden, is joe well, biden. Clinton, but he certainly is he, he would again. be off stage yeah. hopefully bill clinton's very creepy uh especially now because his face is like super red and he's very handsy it just, it just feels like this 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 is can't we do better? Can't no. we nominate better? Can't we organize better? Can't we have a better party? Because it's just showing more and more that the Democratic platform is a compromise against the Republican Party rather than an ideological other combating them or working, you know, against in, them. Not, not against them, but in the polar opposite interest. It just feels more and more like the Democrats are a party of, well, whatever the Republicans propose, we need to like soften it or we need to make it as like unshitty as possible well that's the difference between the new wing and the left wing and the moderate wing because the moderate wing is like diet republicanism yeah so people like hillary clinton and joe biden both have track records of doing things like voting for war or voting to cut taxes like or 
And like even I guess guns is kind of the exception. Guns is where I think a lot of Democrats have a misplaced I agree. faith in getting rid of guns or restricting guns because that's not an issue that you can you can't run in Michigan or in Ohio or in Florida on an anti-gun platform. It just doesn't work. You, you I, like you just can't win with that. I, I also think it's just very misguided. I think that the gun conversation, uh, it's a red herring to not talk about a national health care problem. It's, it's a red herring to make you not say, look, maybe the difference between the gun rates in our country and other countries is the access to universal health care. I mean, all right, a really dumb example, but bowling for Columbine. Mm-hmm. You know how there's that point in the movie where he compares U.S. gun murder rates to other you know, industrialized countries mm-hmm. and European countries. The U.S. gun rate uh, murder, it's like 10,000 a year about. I believe it's, it's less now. It's insane still. It's still insane compared to other countries. And what is the big difference that between how our society is structured and how other ones are structured? They have universal health care. Mm-hmm. I think that, that those are a correlating thing. But unfortunately, we can't really do a lot of research into that because you can't do a lot of scientific research into gun correlations with health care. You're just not allowed to. Yeah. And you're lobbied unable to. The way people talk about healthcare in that way is al- almost always wrong because healthcare comes from a time like it's, I think it was Germany that started doing it, like before they were even a democracy, where instituting nationalized healthcare was a way for them to make people happier and to keep them at work and to make sure that they just had a better country to live in. When European countries adopted that, and almost every first world, like modern European country has nationalized healthcare, it's so weird to me that in America we now tie it to this like Soviet esque communist thing that it just isn't. After World War II, Europe had to rebuild itself. And while they were doing that, they had to contain Germany because the big fear right out of after World War II is we can't let Germany do what it just did again. And there was this ideology in Europe at the time that we're going to make Europe a new society and we're going to structure in a way that's going to be more beneficial for the greatest amount of people. That was someone called that liberalism. Okay. I wanted to make you say it. All right. Has 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 republicanism changed since the 1860s? Absolutely. All right. I'm I just, just wanted, I'm, 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 I'm I just, just at the time that. it was I'm called just, liberalism. Right, we're okay. just going to leave it right there. But uh so that idea of social welfare came after the, the the destruction of World War II. It's rooted in that. It's not rooted in Sovietism. No. It's not it's rooted. It's the opposite. You know, and I'm very very far left, but nothing irritates me You're more not an than an anarcho-communist. Uh you're half Maybe the have, the have, anarcho halfway. part you I, agree I, with? I, yeah, yeah, I think okay. I think there's a lot of uh, appeal to um, some like participatory economics and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's really just we're we're completely screwed. 2020, we're we're screwed. Dude, this is a, supposed to be a positive podcast. We're in it together. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is what we got to do do moving forward. Everybody listening, this is what you have to do. Brent I think, is I, gonna, think I think this is a great. great I'm gonna way send to this forward. to Nancy Pelosi and say. No, no, no. This, okay. is, this isn't an Nancy Pelosi. This is just to anyone listening Any like on, on campus. What we need to do is we need to be punitive with our judgments. We need to stop being so afraid of the idea of people having socially reprehensible aspects to themselves. So I think that when we encounter things like racism or sexism or transphobia in society, we need to encounter it less with an attitude of this person is X and they need to have a punitive interaction with me because of that. I think mm-hmm. it needs, and this is probably going to anger a lot of people, but 
there needs to be a spiritual engagement with people. There needs to be that willingness in people like, you know, on the left and the right. There needs to be that inner desire within them to seek out a, a new answer. I've had tons of conversations on campus with right wing libertarians. Now, I'm more of like a far left libertarian, like 1890s libertarian. So talking about Locke. No, 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 no. Jeremy, I got to get you that some books, my that dude. That was 100% a joke. Okay. I would, I would rather leave this room than talk about Locke. Oh, thank you. But thank continue you. with what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, we need to stop approaching things so punitively. And we need to understand that if we're going to have the means of society change, it's not going to come about like through some uh, communist like overhaul of governments, a massive and revolution every time, every time that you share some stupid meme on Facebook talking about how you and your friends are going to, you know, like you seize the just, means of production. Not, not only that, <laughs> but when you, when, I, when, when, when you frame it as, uh, the only solution is an archaic form of revolution. Mm -hmm. You're not only doing yourself a disservice, you're doing Every writer that you're plagiarizing and ripping off of a massive disservice, <laughs> you're doing fellow worker a disservice. When you look at the people that you think are privileged in society, that are privileged in society, and when you look at them punitively, you're being a massive hypocrite when you talk about how we need to reform the prison systems because they're too punitive. We need to reform the drug systems because they're too punitive. We need to reform how we engage with people mm -hmm. just as a principle. Because it is too punitive. It is too much. This person has something wrong with them or there's a, a, a dissonance between me and them. And that needs to result in this dualism or this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we need to always reach across the aisle because that the, doesn't the, it's not going to happen. Right. And, and, and the, the historical tradition is typically the left compromising to the right. Mm -hmm. That is the historical truth. And if you. If you disagree with me, I'm, at, I just I implore you. In America, no, no, that is a global trend. Look okay. at look 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 at the Middle East. Look at look at Europe. Well, so the it, reason it, that why that constant. is is because the left kind of has it ingrained in like tolerance or like you have to be tolerant of ideas is a very left kind of like attitude, especially in modern American politics, like being tolerant and being understanding of a lot of stuff is vital. And that's why there's compromise to the right. Now, kind of in the opposite way, there are a lot of liberals who will say, oh, that guy's a racist. I'm just going to go against whatever he does. That person might not even be actually racist. That person might just be ignorant. Go about that is to have a conversation with them. It's not to yell at them or throw water on them or punch them in the face. You are a racist, point blank, the conversation's over. Mm -hmm. Whereas, why do you think that? Why do you, like, why, why, why do you jump to that? Why is that the first thing you assume? Yeah, and you kind of have to break that apart and say, okay, you had this because you feel this way because of an experience you had that you couldn't rationalize or that you didn't quite, like, you'd... There was something you missed and you had a bad experience with someone. And so now you think negatively on that. Well, yeah. let's look at that and say, okay, maybe you just had a bad experience with one person and you need to stop projecting that on everybody. Or if we were, you know, good leftists, we could talk about how maybe there is a grander narrative or, you know, someone say a meta narrative that is saying, is there a societal reason why people are incentivized to think this way? Is there a psychological component? Is there a social component, an economic component to why uh, some can maybe even argue like predisposed by our surroundings to view our relationships with people in a punitive or top-down or hierarchical way or in a way that 
holds people into vertical casts fully arbitrarily. That, that, that would be an argument that we could make. But when you make the argument of just, bam, this person is a negative byproduct of the world that they live in, and they're essentially a lost cause, I, I, I think that you're giving up on your fellow worker. You're giving up on your fellow person. You can pull them out of that. There are some people that are never going to give up the way that they believe. And, you know, I'll, I'll pray for those people, but they are working against the interests of the best kind of society that we can live in. And we need to understand that if people are doing that, the importance of bringing them out of that is greater than any kind of social points we can get online by just calling out Nazis. What we need to do is develop a more nuanced way to bring people out of maybe falling into that dark place of paranoia and delusion. You know, we need to pull them out of that. We need to do everything that we can to keep our working class from becoming that or becoming reactionary or becoming exactly what, you know, society would probably incentivize them to be. That's a much more important goal than call out culture. And it's probably not, you know, the popular or the uh, excitable answer that people want to hear, but I think it's the essential one. Let's look at the environment. Let's look at where this person came from, mm -hmm. how they were raised, what conditions and what social surroundings they were in that maybe led them to think this way yeah. or led them to espouse beliefs. It's really hypocritical because, like I said before, it's a really punitive way to look at people. And, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, pe people like on that side, like a lot of leftists that you know, want to call themselves like comrades or whatever, their solution is, you know, you, 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 you encounter racism, punch oh, them in the face. you just punch them in the face, you stomp them. It's so indebted to like how things worked in like 1912 and it's completely misses the point. And if you read Marx, if you read Bookchin, if you read Rorty, if you read, if you read more than you shared memes, you'd understand you're wrong. You don't understand yeah. you're working against yourself mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have to wake up in 2019 and be like, wow, how, how, how did the world get this way? <laughs> well, if you were paying attention, you'd know why. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe if you conducted yourself a bit more maturely or a bit more intelligently, you'd understand you're kind of fueling a lot of problems. Yeah. You're and kind that, of an asshole too. That, that, that'll probably piss off a lot of people, but most problems that we're facing right now in America culturally are because of an inadequate response from the left to a growing insurgence on the right. Mm -hmm. And until we realize that Trump's going to win in 2020, he's going to finish up in 2024, and whoever carries on after him, whether Ivanka he gets Trump. his wall or not, maybe maybe Don Jr. If he's not in jail. Whether he gets his wall or not, people want it. They want that concept. They are down with the concept. And whether it's 40% of the population or not, Trump won with what? maybe 30% of the country voting for him, 25% of, like of, yeah. of the, the entire country. Yeah. That's how little you need in a quote-unquote democratic system that we have to enter into the Overton window with this idea of an American wall. Mm -hmm. That's all you need, 25%. And I think that the solution needs to be harsher than, oh, man, we need to get a Democrat on there and just vote them and pray it works. And I, like, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that to be a jerk to yeah. you. I, I just legitimately want there to be a more ideological or chiseled out idea of who we're putting up and why we're putting them up. Yeah, I, I don't think that person 
exists, and I don't think that person will exist in the foreseeable future, which is why my solution to Donald Trump is just say, screw it, and a Democrat's better than Donald Trump. And I think a lot of people are probably going to go that route in 2020. And if it works, it works. Mm -hmm. But uh, But it's a bad precedent to set. Yeah. It's a bad thing to train people to just say, oh, they have a D next to their name. You should vote for him. But I don't think there's a better way to do it in the American political system and how we elect people. Yeah. And I think that um, like how you said the the foreseeable future, you're right. Like it's it's not in the the 65 plus generation. No. It's not even in the 40 plus generation. Mm-hmm. It's probably someone who's a little bit younger than you or I right now. Yeah, definitely. That's going Somebody to be who's the person in high school. that'll run for some kind of uh, uh, municipal position that really starts making things happen. And that's another thing that I think a lot of people on the left don't want to hear. They want that immediate, they want an answer now. That immediate revolutionary action. And they have just this romanticized, infanticized version of what revolution is and what, you know, what an ideal society would be. I have Marxists on my Facebook page sharing like BuzzFeed tier political shticks <laughs> about how, um, oh, Beto O'Rourke is, 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 is actually good for offering people a public option in addition to the, to the ACA. Like, have you lost your mind? Have you lost the plot completely? It's like shooting yourself Because now in the Marxism foot. has just become congruent with anti-Trumpism, or, or I think Trump is bad, so I'm going to share a lot of, you know, Marxist, uh, hug, hug like boxy, hyper-leftist, hyper-leftist, hug-boxy, quasi-commie memes on Facebook and, it's and easy think f- I'm doing something. It's easy for Republicans and I I kind of understand why they do it to say this guy's a communist like and then a stra- and to extrapolate that on every single person who's left and say well if this guy's sharing this leftist thing and if this is what nowthis.com says then that's must be what all democrats say yeah and that's not even taking into account like people like AOC are mm-hmm. considered marxists or communists radicals radicals these people are milk toast in Europe. Mm-hmm. They're milk toast. Yeah. And, th- and that's another big problem. France that- had a communist party until like the 70s. Mélenchon. I, it's French. Jean-Luc I Mélenchon. Mélenchon. I don't know how to do it. But uh, yeah, he was a previous member of the French Communist Party. And like it's because of obviously propagand- propagandic conditions are a little bit different in America than they were in uh, Europe. That, that, that's another thing we need. We really need uh, people to chisel out. We need to sift through all these like propagandic buzzwords and like if 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 someone on Fox News is calling someone a Marxist or someone on CNN is calling someone a Marxist or 99.9 percent or fascist in most cases they're probably not that thing mm-hmm. they're maybe like a tenth of the way towards entertaining it yeah and depending on where you stand one is in my opinion I think inarguably more consequential than the other mm-hmm. but uh that also takes away from people who are legitimately that like the Brazilian president who just got elected, who Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro, who's advocated for a military dictatorship. Well, he's he romantically uh, idolized. He has pictures of the military dictatorship leaders mm-hmm. hanging in his office. These were people that put live rats. They inserted live rats into people through their orifices. Yeah, these are people that did horrible, and they're his idols. Horrible and acts of torture. That's fascism. That is. Fascism, I mean, that, that was military fascism. Fascism is not some random Republican who's trying to institute voter ID laws. And a little bit more context or nuance here, fascism isn't necessarily nationalism. Yeah. That one thing that the left really, really needs to do to combat the right is get really semantic mm-hmm. and start understanding that we need to look at them through this very specific lens that they view themselves. We had 
that Patriot Front shit on campus. Yeah. That is, it's so easy to make that argument. That's an example of actual fascism. Yeah, and it's so easy to make, to like paint the left like with those lenses. Yeah, but like, they're nuanced. Like they exactly. used a coded language so you couldn't tell it was a fascist. Exactly. And if you've ever gone through like a deep dive of people, oh, this is going to be a terrible example. Are you familiar with speedrunning? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. Okay. There's a speedrunner, our white goose, okay. who's a um uh 007 speedrunner, mm-hmm. Goldeneye. He got banned from GDQ cuz this giant Game's Discord. Yeah, this giant, yeah, I should have said that. This giant Discord thing came out where and it was framed by the people that exposed it that, you know, oh, it's bad because he was sharing some Jordan Peterson video. That's not the problem. I the actually problem, like Jordan Peterson. Um, the, the problem with it is that in that discord, he he linked to the former leader of the American Nazi Party Ooh. and said that this was a pretty Repeatable. badass guy. Oh, no. He said, you know, don't reveal your power level. Oh, God. Um, he they, they they talked about blacked.com. Uh, which is a pornographic site. Yeah, I think you can understand. Where, yeah, you get what yeah. it is. And they were talking about how this is connected to Jewish conspiracies and stuff. Oh, so my. This was a very. But when you go through this discord, I'm not kidding you. I sat for probably two hours just scrolling through and reading how they looked at the world as like there is a system in place. There's a systematic problem. And their their answer is it's it's, Ju- Jews. it's Jews or it's cultural Jews in qu- air quotes. That's always been a weird scapegoat for me, the Jewish people as yeah. being the bad guys. It's like, why, why them? And it's funny because they're looking at the world saying there is a systematic problem. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because there is a systematic problem with the world, but they just haven't found it yet. They're stuck on this weird little racist footnote and they're not looking at the, once they grow up and they realize it's not Jews. It's actually Jeff Bezos. It's actually it's money. It's money. It's capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's giant transnational corporatism. Yeah. Not it's paying that. taxes and suppressing people. It's that it's not yeah. some Jewish boogeyman. No, it's not invented. certainly not George Soros, but I have to, it's just interesting because that's something that I don't see that much on the liberal side of mm-hmm. things where you see these really disenfranchised white guys talking about how there's a systematic thing against us. The world is ran in systems and it is work top down. You don't see that so much on like the, the like the milquetoast liberal no, side. Cause it's they don't usually sure there's good and bad, but like you just got to sift through it. I think moderate you know? people, both Republicans and Democrats don't look at the world as being that structured. And I don't think the world is that structured, but they don't see a top down cabal that's running things where people on the far left and people on the far right do it's just they have different people to blame for it. And I don't think the world is so organized that the richest people in the world control everything and pick everything. I think the world's a lot more sloppy than that. But I certainly think those people have an unequal ability to manipulate the world around them that me and you don't. And even and even just that, your your acknowledgement that like there are people that do they have more uh, political power yes. to flex than any normal person will ever have. Right, right. And then we can get to the question of, I mean, should anyone be allocated that much economic and political power? Should one person mm-hmm. be allocated that much economic power in society? Should we have Jeff Bezos's in society, people that can amass 
billions and billions of dollars like and then say oh i want that guy to win so i'm gonna give him two billion dollars and or so i can donate a million dollars to his super PACs and so he can win right no one has not everyone has two billion dollars to throw to something that they believe in if they did the world would be very different yeah we have one vote and a max of what three grand that we can put towards a political opponent and i don't have a spare 20 three bucks. grand, twenty dollars yeah. yeah bernie sanders small donations that is how i think a lot of people are starting to view i think that's where they're starting to put the blame unfair economic situations that don't give them as much power as everybody else yeah and i think the democratic party is sort of waking up to that i think there are a lot of people in the party who don't want to hear that because they're getting money from those same things exactly yeah so you can't tell nancy pelosi to vote to raise taxes when all the people giving her stuff for her re-election would be in would be impacted by that and are also paying her not to vote for it that's just something that right now we can't do much about there was that young kid who uh asked her at a one of the town hall meetings that it aired on cnn or something and he was just like you know kind of espousing bernieism he's like you know could you see the Democratic Party being a more critical party of capitalism. And she said, you know, first and foremost, we are capitalists. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like how we said earlier, it's going to be a generation, a couple generations mm-hmm. to come until that Overton window, I think, shifts. I think I, our I generation think is the first of that. That window is shifting, but we're not going to see it for decades, decades. and decades. But do you think eventually, I think it will. Do you think eventually we'll be the old people who keep, Voting for Democrats and all the young people no. will be conservatives. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm never that person because I'm, ne- I'm never I'm going to work my whole life to never be an old head. I'm a, I, like when I'm old when I'm like 70 and there's like 20 year old activist kids. You're going to be the activists. Well, I'm, what if they're well, conservative going anti-abortion? And well, of course, of course if, there, there will be 20 year old conservative activists. But, of course. So like, there, there will be. But I'm, I'm saying I'm going to look at them really nuanced and I'm not just going to be like. These whiny kids kids wanting things. I'm going to say, like, you know, I remember being that. I wonder what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, if I should listen. Yeah. You know? But what what I'm thinking is, so right now, we're an extremely liberal generation. And we keep saying, oh, I can't wait for these old people to die so we can vote for ever li- old people say that yeah what what if what if we're the what if it's cool to be conservative three generations it, it, it already is kind of i mean i i could argue now currently in society that there 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 is a appeal to being conservative with people like sam hyde in in the world and people like charlie kirk and um the ben, ben shapiro's the I mean, least ben, cool ben person shapiro, i've ever seen and ben shapiro is the least cool person but he's on pewdiepie's youtube channel <laughs> yeah you're right and it's like it, it's like there is some pocket in there's Kanye like West. Young, he's young pretty culture. damn cool. And he he said he's not conservative, but there is some appeal in culture right now to watching like Jordan Peterson. That or you know, uh, angry feminist gets owned by calm rational guy. Yeah. Like, have you ever been on YouTube and you just like you stumble on one video and then there's just thousands. I and get thousands those recommended in the Joe Rogan yeah, recommended videos. That, yeah, that, Joe that Rogan's too. kind of. He's kind of weird how he gives those people a platform, but he also gives people on the other side the same platform. I, I really like Joe Rogan because of that. Jo- um, Joe Rogan is a social iguana. Yeah, he blends into whoever he's interviewing, which you kind of have to do, I think, to an extent you kind of have. You have to do if you're Joe Rogan. Definitely, and he appeals from everybody. Should we end on Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, 2020. Do you want to do uh, like a, something a good to, to lift us off? Can I think of anything good that happened <laughs> in the news? Um, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this is... This is good. Um, that uh, AOC video mm-hmm. of her dancing, yeah, that people were getting kind of mad at. 
I thought that was like a, a dumb controversy. But then seeing that Kamala Harris video of her dancing. I don't think I've trying, seen that video. She tweeted out some in, some image of it's like, just for the record, I want more dancing and, you know, whatever. That's and her she appealing sent out, like, to the kids. she sent out like this gif of her like shimmying. And I was just like, Donnie, you got this. Yeah, you got it, Donnie. Just don't go to prison. And you got it. That might be harder than uh, it might be harder to do than we think Don Donald Trump staying out of prison. But on, on, on a good good thing, um, I, I'll say this is kind of a positive. It's a positive coming out of a negative. Uh, about 40 workers were just laid off randomly at Las Senoritas here in Mount Pleasant uh, due to a store. The store just being shut down by corporate and the management just not letting the workers Peacing know. Peacing out, yeah. yeah. Um, 40 people out of work. Some people I knew that worked there. Just Some of them were single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I'll say is positive is it seems like the community... Like when we reported on the story, the community at large identified like this is a serious problem. Yeah. Definitely. And it seemed like a lot of people came together to identify like, you know, jobs shouldn't do this to their workers. Corporations shouldn't do this to people. Absolutely. It's 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 completely just inhumane. And the day after Christmas to lose one source of income. You know what I mean? It's, just it's, to totally lose how you're making money and how you're supporting your no family warning, is nothing. It should be illegal. I'm surprised it's not. I, I think that there should be some type of protection for people. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm sure, insurance out there, but it's incredibly difficult to acquire. But mm-hmm. um, there, there needs to be some type of system in place where employers are required to let employees know of some sort of notice, any any kind of thing like that, because management kept that information or like they had to have known. Definitely. They had to have known. You don't and, get an email and say, oh, I guess we're not going to work today. And the clear reason why it's like, well, if you tell your workers, they're not going to have a job. They're That's not going to work. Or they're not going to yeah, work Yeah, or they're just going to half-ass it. And we got to, you know, Squeeze get every, every, every we cent can. we can out of them. And we don't care if we lay them off the day after Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's so, honestly sad. And... It's positive seeing people care about that. It definitely that. is. And I'm glad that that's something CM Life kind of took up and said, oh, we should do something about this. And also another piece of good news. Um, actually, this is going to sound very dark now that I prefaced it that way. Uh, a girl's roommate couldn't come back and then her apartment complex was going to kick her out. CM Life did a story on it. And now that girl is allowed to stay and keep living there and not be homeless. So yep. that's pretty bright ending. Okay, thank you guys for listening. Um, You can find us on your favorite podcasting app or on cmlife.com. Thank you guys for listening. Peace out.